0: And the train started. The magazine slipped from Mrs. Miggilycuddy's hand. Her head dropped sideways. Three minutes later, she was asleep. She slept for thirty-five minutes and awoke refreshed. Resettling her hat, which had slipped askew, she sat up and looked out of the window at what she could see of the flying countryside. It was quite dark now, a dreary, misty December day. Christmas was only five days ahead. London had been dark and dreary. The country was no less so, though occasionally rendered cheerful with its constant clusters of lights as the train flashed through towns and stations. "'Serving last tea now,' said an attendant, whisking open the corridor door like a gin. Mrs. McKilliguddy had already partaken of tea at a large department store— She was, for the moment, amply nourished. The attendant went on down the corridor, uttering his monotonous cry. Mrs. McKillicuddy looked up at the rack where her various parcels reposed with a pleased expression. The face towels had been excellent value, and just what Margaret wanted. The space gun for Robbie and the rabbit for Jean were highly satisfactory— and that evening coatie was just the thing she herself needed, warm but dressy. The pullover for Hector, too. Her mind dwelt with approval on the soundness of her purchases. Her satisfied gaze returned to the window. A train travelling in the opposite direction rushed by with a screech, making the windows rattle and causing her to start. The train clattered over points and passed through a station. Then it began suddenly to slow down, presumably in obedience to a signal. For some minutes it crawled along, then stopped. Presently it began to move forward again. Another up train passed them, though with less vehemence than the first one. The train gathered speed again. At that moment, another train, also on a down line, swerved inwards towards them for a moment with almost alarming effect. For a time the two trains ran parallel, now one gaining a little, now the other. Mrs. McGillicuddy looked from her window through the windows of the parallel carriages. Most of the blinds were down, but occasionally the occupants of the carriages were visible. The other train was not very full, and there were many empty carriages. At the moment when the two trains gave the illusion of being stationary, A blind in one of the carriages flew up with a snap. Mrs. McGillicuddy looked into the lighted first-class carriage that was only a few feet away. Then she drew her breath in with a gasp and half rose to her feet. Standing with his back to the window and to her was a man. His hands were round the throat of a woman who faced him and he was slowly, remorselessly strangling her. Her eyes were starting from their sockets. Her face was purple and congested. As Mrs. McGillicuddy watched fascinated, the end came. The body went limp and crumpled in the man's hands. At the same moment, Mrs. McGillicuddy's train slowed down again and the other began to gain speed. It passed forward and a moment or two later, it had vanished from sight. Almost automatically, Mrs. McKillicuddy's hand went up to the communication cord, then paused, irresolute. After all, what use would it be ringing the cord of the train in which she was travelling? The horror of what she had seen at such close quarters and the unusual circumstances made her feel paralysed. Some immediate action was necessary. But what? The door of her compartment was drawn back, and a ticket collector said, Ticket, please. Mrs. McGillicuddy turned to him with vehemence. A woman has been strangled, she said, in a train that has just passed. I saw it. The ticket collector looked at her doubtfully. I beg your pardon, madam. A man strangled a woman in a train. I saw it through there. She pointed to the window. The ticket collector looked extremely doubtful. Strangled, he said disbelievingly. Yes, strangled.